Good day, good folks. You are listening to Talk That Keeps You Woke. And with your awakening, we hope that you will take in the information and knowledge we provide. So make sure you like and subscribe while you hop on this ride as we inform, persuade, entertain, and engage in discussion. Welcome to Potlicker Podcast, which is knowledge to feed your soul. I may go one half of Potlicker. I go by Dr. A, the inquisitive one. A great debater, Mr. Slow Talker, a rhetorician, and an all-around nice guy, and a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. The other half of Potlicker is my homie, my dear friend for more than 30 years, Kim Parker Jackson Esquire, the legal one, Mrs. Creativity, never obnoxious, the gifted one, a terrific lady, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Okay, folks, we are back again. Partner, what's up? How was your week? Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone. I am well, Dr. A, and I had a good week. A lot went on this week, um, but in in my life, um, I had a family get-together, which was really nice. That happened on Saturday. We finally got together after COVID, so it was good seeing, you know, the immediate family. And on Sunday, I did a therapeutic self-care dance workshop. So that was good. Very, you know, rejuvenating. How was your week? Uh, My week was good. House full of folks, you know, but it's all family, so it's all good. Got to hear <laughs> more about your, your, your dance workshop. But welcome to Pot Liquor uh, Podcast. And as always... We start our show off with a wow. Stands for words of wisdom. Uh, Never look down on anybody unless you're helping him up. That comes from Jesse Jackson. Jesse's been around a long time. And basically, it says, instead of talking about somebody that's down and out, help them out. You know, um, that's what I get. Like, we like to talk like... Why she do this? Why she do that? Why he did this? This is a type of situation. And we talking a lot about what they're going through and we don't bother to step in and um, help out. That's what I take from it. What about yourself? Yes, I concur. I agree wholeheartedly. And, you know, I'm just surprised that this uh, quote from Jesse Jackson did not rhyme. But but other than that, I, I definitely agree with it. I think it's a really good reminder that we should stay in touch with our humanity and just treat each other with kindness and love at all times, but especially when we're going through a tough time in life, which we all will eventually go through. Yes. So um, as our grandmas probably all said to us, if you don't have something pleasant to say about somebody then don't say anything at all but i say always reach down and help somebody out you never know when you're going to be in a position of need so like the neville brothers used to say lean on me um i just think that we should take heed to that advice indeed and let us move on 
All right. Before we get into our what's going on, we are going to get into our first um, uh, product today. And our first product is something that we we definitely use, and you're hearing something on it right now. For those out there who just listening, I just hold up the box of our M Audio speakers uh, that I use on my side. Um, they are black speakers, 13 inch. You can get them at the Guitar Center. I believe Best Buy has them. Uh, so those are the speakers that we use uh, that allows you to hear us in audio speakers. Let us move on. Okay, we have a lot going on this week. We had a couple of firings, and we are going to jump right into that. First up, person that got let go, Tucker Carlson got let go from Fox. What do you say about Carlson? Well, I do not feel sorry for Tucker Carlson at all. I mean, with his 20 to $35 million contract, depending on what source you're looking at. Um, you know, it's uh, surprising that he was let go just because he was so popular. And I mean, he had 3 million um, viewers and apparently the most popular host on uh, Fox News. But, and after seven years um, of hosting Tucker Carlson tonight on Fox News, he was let go. So. I mean, it was, I, I really don't have a dog in this fight because I didn't watch um, his show. I don't watch Fox News. I mean, I can't, I mean, if I try to watch Fox News for 20 seconds, I just get so frustrated because some of the things they say are just completely ridiculous, illogical, don't make sense at all. So again, I don't watch. So this is, you know, doesn't, I, I really don't care that he was, he was fired. Um, and then there's a lot of speculation as to, you know, a lot of various theories as to why he was let go, whether it was the election fraud, um, lies that were told, whether it was his, uh, spinning on the insurrection, calling it a peaceful protest and things of that nature. But I think really the bottom line, um, you know, after Fox had to pay this $787.5 million settlement to Dominion Voting Systems, I think that had a lot to do with it because one thing corporations care about is the bottom line. Some people are saying that even that, though, is not the reason why he was let go. They're saying it was because he gave up, like, the game on Big Pharma and Big Pharma advertising on these um, news stations. And, you know, how because of because of the advertising dollars that Big Pharma puts into these news shows, you know, the the uh, the uh, corporations don't tell you whether or not these um, medications or what have you are safe or not, because they're getting this money. 
And so um, I word on the street is, is that is the real reason why he was let go. Bottom line, it really doesn't matter. Um, to me, the moral of the story is no one person is bigger than corporate America, regardless of how popular you may be. When you start to challenge corporate America, everybody is, um, what's the word, dispensable? Disposable. <laughs> All of the above. They, they can, yeah, expendable. There's another one. They will let you go. So, so yeah, you uh, Carlson was known to spouse or espouse um, racial rhetoric and xenophobic rhetoric um so i have the same sentiment that you have i really and not i'm not disappointed or upset that he's gone um people who talk that way um to trigger people to do vile and crazy things i'm not a proponent of theirs but I do agree with you. I think the law school suit with the $787.5 million had a lot to do with it um, because that's a uh, nice piece of profit that they had to let go. Um, he, although he was bringing in a lot of money for the station. And so you know that had to be uh, huge for them to let him go because he was kind of a cash cow, not kind of, he was a cash cow for, for Fox news. Um, I wonder if they can, do you know whether they can write off that? I would, I'm not that savvy when it comes to the inner workings of corporate America, but if, if there's a way they can, they will. <laughs> also, I can say I watch Fox once in a while. Um, sometimes you need, to hear the other side and what they have said. And so sometimes if it's something controversial was said, I go back and try to listen to him and his show to see how he asked a question or answered something. Um, I think the audience in America, like we're all guilty of this. Not all of us are guilty. Viewers are guilty, let me say that. Those who watch the show and give the high ratings, um, but the fact that they lied about the election and they knew they were lying, Murdoch knew that folks on his show was lying. Um, that just lets me know, like Fox is a is a sham, and pure journalism uh, journalism has lost its way. It's more so infotainment today, and we will go to the levels of. Um, even casting someone out, uh, someone out in front of the television set to spew these lies and really not care because you want to keep uh, your viewers believing um, these big lies. So I guess the best thing to say with him is good riddance. Goodbye, good riddance. Yeah, I think. Don't cry for me, Argentina, though, because I got, I'm sure they gave him a, a golden parachute. Maybe. And let us move on. All right. So we move from one station to another. Right.
who says there's not equal opportunity employment? CNN <laughs> had to let Don Lemon go. And I'm going to let you start off on this too. Well, yes, after 17 years with CNN, he was, you know, I think it's interesting. He was fired on the same day that Tucker Carlson was fired. I don't know if that means anything or not. I just thought that was interesting. Um, and also the difference in salary is interesting because he was making $10 million as opposed to Tucker's 20 or $35 million and a $2 million bonus. But yeah, let go after 17 years. And then again, a lot of speculation as to why. Was it because of the comments that he made about women being past their prime when they're in their uh, 50s? Um, according to Don Lemon, and well, he says it's, you can Google it, but um, according to Don Lemon, um, women are in their prime when they're in their 20s and 30s and maybe 40s, he said. And this all, you know, stems from, from a conversation that he was having about Nikki Haley, who said that President Biden was past his prime. And so, he made these comments about women in general, even though, and I think the problem is he just didn't read the room because the show that he was on, I think is CNN this morning with uh, two other women. Um, you might not want to make disparaging comments about women when two women are your co-hosts, but anyway, so that's what he said. And so people are speculating that, that, that that's why, um, but his, I think it could be because he, you know, Although maybe CNN is popular with um, a lot of people, his show wasn't that popular because he had about 600 and maybe 88,000 um, viewers for his show, which when you compare that to Tucker Carlson's 3 million, um, you know, it's relatively a lot fewer uh, far fewer uh, viewers. And so maybe that contributed to it. And this um, misstep that he made with the comments about women was just a perfect excuse for them to, to let him go. Because, I mean, it does make you wonder after 17 years, like what, what the problem is. Um, and he thought that he should have been given a lot more respect you know, he just felt like maybe a meeting, maybe telling, you know, a meeting to talk about it first instead of being blindsided. But they, you know, CNN says that they did offer him an opportunity, but he didn't take it. Instead, he made comments on Twitter that, hey, what's the deal? Why am I being disrespected after 17 years? But again, the moral of the story for me is that one person is not going to be an institution or a corporation. So regardless of how popular, how good at your job you might be, at any moment, you can be let go. What do you think? Well, I think the popularity from Tucker and Don Lemon has a lot to do with them leaving. Because if you're small and you say that, I don't think you'll get, say for instance, you're on CNN at a different time slot, like 2 a.m. in the morning, 
you might not necessarily be let go because you're not a name. Um, you, you might not draw that much attention. I was first thinking that why did they let Don Lemon go? Was this infraction that he did, was it large enough to let him go? And I would have to say yes, because when people make race racial marks or racist comments, they're often let go, um, particularly if they're white. Um, so they get a lot of pushback from that. So if you're saying something that is sexist, you have to put that in the same boat. Um, if you disparage a woman and say comments, you might not think they're not incendiary. You might think like, well, it didn't offend me as much as, you know, but it offended a lot of people. So I can see that as a reason to be dismissed. You can't just say what you, sexist comments, you just can't say, you know, ethnic or racial comments, um, disabled comments. You can't say things like that and expect to keep your employment. Especially not not these days with cancel culture. I mean, but you and I can attest now that we have been doing this podcast, but when you when you have a show that's not scripted, you can very easily say something that you don't mean. Although the problem here is that Don Lemon doubled down on it when the, the women called him out and, was, and gave him a little pushback. He doubled down and was like, well, wait, you can Google it. So that didn't help him. He didn't think he was saying anything offensive. Well, that's what makes it worse. Yeah, It's like saying something racist and you don't realize it's racist. That just shows how racist you are. Like embedded in your soul and it comes out. Out of the abundance of the heart. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that's the case. I just think. I. I just think. I don't think he's more sexist because he said that. I mean, I didn't recognize what he was saying is wrong. I just think people have to brush up um, on things that hurt and offend other groups. If you're indoctrinated to speak a certain way, you know, like, cause there are racial things said without using, you know, racial words, there's treatment that's based on race. And sometimes, um, because I'm in the classroom with students who are young and I don't like to use the word ignorant a lot because it has a negative connotation. Um, it's just like them not knowing I understand that first because you have to check people's frame of reference. Now, this doesn't go for Lemon and um, Carlson. I'm, I'm just saying, um, I think Don Lemon got caught in a situation. Maybe he thought he was that powerful that he could double down. Um, but it seems to me that he really didn't think what he was saying was offensive because he's like, these are facts that I'm quoting. Now, I think he should have said that first, you know, um, but then so you're such an opinionated show, you would have to say, do you agree with those facts or not? Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that he's gay? I mean, I don't know. I don't think so. But... I, don't, I don't think that had anything to do with it. Because he, okay. he, they even said it in the articles, <laughs> he came out a long time ago. 
So if that was the case, they would have fired him a long time ago. But I'm talking about like maybe he thought he would get a pass and he could say it's kind of like maybe if a woman had made the statements, it would have been. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if you look at it from that perspective, maybe. Let us move on. All right, Supreme Court Judge Clarence Thomas is back on our podcast as a topic. Pertaining to, yes. What was that? Pertaining to some other. Well, a similar situation that he got in. He didn't recuse himself. From the well, yeah, appeals case. Go ahead. Right. I mean, I was going to say, I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so because remember the last time when this came up of, you know, him receiving these luxurious gifts from this GOP mega donor, this wealthy billionaire, Harlan Crow, I said that it was unethical and that, you know, it, it erodes the public trust in our institutions. How can we have faith that this, uh, that the Supreme Court is going to be unbiased and uninfluenced by, you know, people outside the court? Um, how can we believe in that if he's accepting these luxurious gifts from this GOP mega donor? And and now it's come back to bite him in the behind. And what I suspected appears to be coming true. And that is that he was, in fact, perhaps influenced by this um, GOP mega donor, Harlan Crow. And so I say surprise, surprise. I mean, just as we thought, because this 2005 case, um, that was a uh, copyright infringement case against the Trammell Crow uh, Residential Corporation, which is a company that Harlan Crow um, has an interest in, although it's a minority interest. He does have an interest in this company. Um, and so basically what happened in 2005 is the Supreme Court decided not to grant cert or certiorari, which is basically just a fancy word for they decided not to hear the case. And the bottom line of what that means is that basically they agree with what the lower court did here, which at, at the end of the day, the decision was in favor um, of this corporation that Harlan Crow has an interest in. So tell me, why didn't Clarence Thomas recuse himself from this case? So to me, it's just more impropriety, more of him, just more, it's just more unethical behavior from Justice Thomas. And I think he should just be ashamed of himself because of this. And what's that? I'm saying I'm not an expert on the court system. I think if I'm Clarence Thomas, I would have... Um, recuse myself you would think but he, he here's a question the lower court denied it but it got sent to the supreme court 
This is mm-hmm. the biggest thing I I don't like about the friendship is that I I think Clarence, I mean, I'm sorry, Justice Clarence Thomas sold his house to Harlan Crow and didn't disclose the sale. So I don't know if they disclose if you don't disclose the sale, you're also not disclosing the sale amount. Right. That's a yeah, that's right. yeah. The 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 lavish gifts that come way afterwards. I mean, that come after that. I think it could be the fact that he's just a friend that they made that decision. Um, Hold on, and, and since, you know, he became a friend, if you're a wealthy billionaire, you're like, here, friend, thanks. Hold on, Doc. You're about, you, you about to twist yourself into a pretzel. No, I started off. Clarence Thomas. I didn't. I said he. If I was Clarence Thomas, I would have recused myself because you already, you know, recuse yourself from the case. Then all the lavish gifts you get are fine because you like I ain't on the case. (laughs) Didn't do it. No, but see, that's the thing. It's it's not fine because you recuse yourself. Can't this decide. is what I'm saying. It could be legal and it, there could be nothing legally wrong with what he's doing. But, but my point is that there is an appearance of impropriety and nobody is required to be a Supreme Court justice. You have voluntarily you're going to deny uh, you're going you, to not what I, you're going to have to give up. Okay, let me go back and to the among them are luxurious gifts. Let, let, let me let me get a let let me get a word in edgewise. This okay, is what no. you do. You are going to deny what I say and defend what I say at the same time. You're like you say you twisting yourself in the pretzel. No, I think he should have recused himself. That's what I said. If he would have recused himself mm-hmm. in the case, nobody would have been talking about these gifts that he's he's getting because he always can say, well, I took myself off the case. But Doc, you suggested that if he had recused himself, then he would have been fine receiving the gifts. And I'm just saying, no, he would not have. It's not appropriate for a Supreme Court justice who's a public servant to be accepting these types of gifts. It's not it's not appropriate. It, it's inappropriate. I, see, I disagree it has with the you. Appearance of I, it, it only has like the appearance. It only has the appearance of propriety if he impropriety. is making impropriety. Sorry, it only has the appearance of impropriety if he is making a decision on the case. I disagree. So you're you're my good friend. Any case that comes before the court that's involving you, I take myself off the case. Now, you might say, well, he can influence the other judges because he has a friendship, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he, maybe he can, you know. But that means that you, being my friend, are not allowed to give me gifts. Like, when you get in that position and you climb that ladder, you're going to meet people and, and build friendships with people that will be soon be billionaires. I'm just saying, recuse yourself. Say, hey, I can't decide any of your cases. I have to take myself off. To me, there's no appearance of impropriety. If he okay, does. well, that's the, the that's fact the that he did, but the fact that he didn't do that, that is a problem. Yes, I agree with you on that. So what I'm saying to you, Clarence, if he's just a good friend, your just good friend should understand why you have to recuse yourself from the case. 
Now, if he stopped giving you gifts, then he ain't really your good friend. He buying your friendship. Your friendship costs. costs. Well, I think uh, Clarence Thomas knew this was shady. He knew this was not right, and that's why he didn't disclose it. Because yeah. if it's harmless, why not just disclose it? Like I said, I'm a, I'm a lowly public servant federal employee. We even have requirements as to what we can receive as gifts. So, and their, their defense is, okay, this is what they said. At this, at the time of this case, Trammell Crow Residential operated completely in, independently of Crow Holdings with a separate management team and its own independent operations. Because they're saying, Colin Crow, he, he, he uh, ran the other company and these companies ran independently. And to me, that's saying, having a trying to have a defense without really saying anything. It's not, that doesn't mean anything. So what, the companies were separate. That doesn't mean, that, like I said, he had a minority interest in the company. So at the, at the end of the day, that means more money in your pocket. So that's not a defense. Then they said, um, neither Harlan Crow nor Crow Holdings had knowledge of or involvement in this case. And a search of Crow Holdings legal records reveals no involvement in this case. Harlan Crow has never discussed this or any other case with any justice. So what? To me, you don't have to discuss it because if you're throwing around this kind of money and these kind of lavish and luxurious gifts, there's no discussion that needs to be had. It's understood. Like, dude, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. So I think it's understood. You don't have to have a conversation. So to me, no defense. I don't see any defense here. So I think, and again, what's most disturbing is technically uh, Justice Thomas has not broken the law or violated any code of ethics because unfortunately none exists. So hello, Congress or whoever has to, to come together and fix this problem, we need a code of ethics for the Supreme Court. This is ridiculous. Like we're losing uh, confidence in, in our institutions. This is not good. I'm not upset with what you're saying at all. Um, I happen to agree with you on this. Right. Um, I think that... Um, he should have recused himself, but now, like, what's the penalty? How do we get to that? How do we make policies saying like stuff like this can't go on? Like I said, Congress needs to figure it out because I mean the 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 Supreme Court is established by the by the Constitution. Um, so I don't know if this needs to be a constitutional amendment. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but. Congress needs to figure it out and make sure that it happens because I don't, this is just not a good thing. And, you know, this is how the rich and powerful operate. They, they have enough money to influence the levers of our society. And this is how they do it. So I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if more information comes out about other things that Clarence Thomas has not recused himself from when he should have other things that he should have disclosed that he didn't disclose when he should have. I mean, and his wife is getting, got $500,000 from this guy. So it's just not good. And let us move on. All right. 
those of y'all who are familiar with this little song will understand why we chose this. Moving into <laughs> Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurt. Let's call them a couple of rich brothers right now. See, cancel contracts from their respective NFL teams. Yes, I was happy to see that Lamar Jackson signed, finally signed, signed his uh, his deal with the Ravens. So Jalen Hurts. That's I'm sorry, it's Hurts. Jalen Hurts went first, and he signed a two hundred and fifty million dollar deal. Um, I believe with one hundred and seventy nine million guaranteed and then Lamar the following week signs a 260 million dollar deal um with 185 million dollars guaranteed um guaranteed means you make the money regardless that that amount of money they owe you regardless of your status as far as with the team if you are injured and can't play for 2 years cuz your leg is broke you still receive that money and playing football, which your career can end on any play, mm-hmm. it's important for players to get a certain amount of their contract guaranteed. Now, Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns, um, he received two hundred. What was it? Thirty-six million. Two hundred and thirty-six million guaranteed, fully guaranteed. So every dime of that contract he gets and owners were upset that the Cleveland Browns gave him that contract because they don't want fully guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Of course they don't. Okay. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, this is just good all the way around for me because, you know, I'm a Maryland resident, so I'm definitely a Baltimore Ravens fan. Even though I'm from D.C., I'm also a Commanders fan. Um, Not a huge NFL person, but anytime a brother is getting this kind of money, I'm happy about it. Happy about it, indeed. And this is really a drop in the bucket compared to what these billionaire NFL owners receive. So more power to them. I'm happy to see it. And I'm also happy to see that Lamar Jackson has demonstrated that when you're a player of this caliber, do you really, I don't, I don't know if you really need an agent. Um, apparently all you need is a loving mother. <laughs> so Again, and and Jalen Hurts, the same thing. Another amazing black woman behind him getting this kind of deal, which I think is great. So I actually might become more of an NFL fan because of this. And I also saw, you know, they they had the NFL draft this week and another um, group of black quarterbacks was um, drafted. Is that that correct? Yeah, um, so out of the... Top four picks, there were three black QBs. Um, at one, Bryce Young from Alabama. He went to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, number two was E.J. Stroud from Ohio State. He went to the Texans. Number three was the, wasn't was a uh, quarterback. 
Uh, he's a lineman from Alabama, considered one of the best players. He went to the Texans and then Anthony Richardson from Florida, a black quarterback, went to the Indianapolis Colts. So yeah, there were there were some picks. Um, Detroit Lions later on in the third round got Hendon Hooker from uh, University of Tennessee. He he was on his way be, becoming the Heisman Trophy winner, but it, I think that he broke his leg or he tore his ACL in in the fo- in a football game, um, so he had to sit out the rest of the season. Um, but yeah, there are at least four quarterbacks that. I think five black quarterbacks picked in this draft this year. So yeah, things yeah. the game's changing. You know, um, they they want more mobility at the quarterback position because these defensive players are getting faster and faster at amazing weights. And even if you're a non-black quarterback, because the stereotypes about quarterback is, you know, uh, they really didn't have the yeah, the uh, intellectual efficacy to play the um, position. Um, they weren't bright enough or whatever to replace. That was the stereotype was was a was a bunch of trash. Um, <clears throat> so they will always call them mobile co- quarterbacks, you know, not traditional quarterbacks. Now, even if you're quote unquote a traditional quarterback, you have to know how to move in the pocket because standing still and stationary is not always the best place to be um in the nfl today so hats off to these young two young black men hats off to the women behind them that did an excellent job with both of them and um yeah it's a new day it's definitely a new day all we need is um a couple of black nfl owners and i'll be happy let us move on. And I can be one of them. All right. All right. So our second plug of the day is called Nan Light. Um, and this is something that is lighting me right now. It's and you look good, good, brother. Right here, it's a square. It brings light down on me. And I can see your chocolatey complexion very well. I appreciate that. Um, But yeah, today we're kind of showcasing uh, our equipment that we use to help us uh, record this podcast and and try to perfect it to the best of our ability. So Nanlite, you can pick that up at any camera store. It's not that expensive. I think this course 125. Um, yeah, check it out. If you're putting together a podcast, it's a great place uh, to start. And let us move on. have a question it's a question address the question this is a question so what's the question 
answer the question. Okay, so this is our question of the week, as we always do. And the question this week is, you spot a boat full of people, but there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? I'll repeat it. You spot a boat full of people, but there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? Remember to make sure that you email us at potliquorshow at gmail.com. Last week, our question was, how can a girl go 25 days without sleep? And the answer is, do you, do you remember the answer? Um, yes, sleep at night. Sleep <laughs> at night. Uh, a lot of people thought that was silly. Uh, I thought that was a good question. It was funny to me. Uh, so, yes. So this week, the question is, you spot a boat full of people, uh, but there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? All right. Well, all right. Uh, question of the week. Let me just put it up there real quick and remove it. All right. Good luck. And let us move on. All right. So we have a special guest with us today. Yes. Hey. Hello. Can you hear me? Hi, gorgeous. How are you? Hi, how are you? Very nice to meet you. I'll let my partner bring in her hellos as I'm trying to introduce you. Okay, go. Yes, all right. It's I'm just excited to see her. Kara Greer. Kara. 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 Kara Greer. Yes, that's okay. me. Okay, yes. I love your background, that picture. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, um... welcome, welcome aboard. Thank you. Wait, Thank you for who's having the artist? Um, the artist is a artist from uh, South Carolina, from the Geechee country, um, green, and he does a lot of depictions of black art. I love that. Thank you. Do, do you have a name for us? Who, what's the artist? Yeah, it, it, you can, it, artist green, G-R-E-E-N-E, -E, and okay. he's out of South Carolina. Okay, his first nice. name is artist. All right. Got you on that one. Oh, you found it already? <laughs> What'd you say? You found it already? You talking about me? Yeah. No, you know, I got confused because she said artist as the first name. And like oh, I thought it okay. was she was talking about oh, the artist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought you said his, no, his first name is Jonathan. Jonathan. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh. See, I thought his first name was artist too. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. No, that's that's fine. That's fine. I'm gonna let my partner start off on these questions. Welcome to Politician Podcast. And today we have with us Cara Grayer, um, and we will let her introduce herself to our listeners. Okay. Well, this is my first time doing a podcast, and Kim wouldn't let me keep my camera off. So, you know, I have to... <laughs> We want to see your beautiful face and that gorgeous smile. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But it's a Monday morning, um, a Monday afternoon, I should say. Um, my name is Cara Grayer. I am an attorney um, in the federal government. Um, 
Can you what? hear me? What happened, Doctor? I think your phone is giving us feedback. Is that a phone you have, or is it your? I computer? have a phone. Can you? Can you? Yeah. Can you? Can you? Can, oh, you are you hearing us through your phone? Yes. Okay. Go ahead then. Yeah, she sounds fine to me. Okay. Is this better? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have I have a few. I have another device open as well. Let me shut this off. Um. I am originally from Massachusetts, and I've been in Washington, D.C. area for the last 25 plus years. Mm -hmm. Went to law school here in Washington, and I'm an attorney um, doing telecommunications work. And I've also been an adjunct professor um, at a local law school here in, in Washington, and I'm it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. So... Today, um, although you're qualified to talk about many different things, and perhaps we, we will have you back to discuss some other things, but today we wanted to focus on work-life balance. Um, and so first, I wanted to, to hear from you what roles you play um, in your life besides being um, a full-time attorney. What, what, what else do you um, do? You do? During your day, what, your what, wife, a mother, what, what are the roles what I, you play? Well, I feel like I play every role there is. Okay, <laughs> so, <laughs> so every role there is. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. Um, and in terms of work-life balance, I mean, nothing is balanced really well. So you know, there's a lot of things in the air, and I don't feel like anything is going particularly well at any one time, but you know, push through and get it done. And, you know, and, and, and that's life, right? So. Right. And are you a member of any organizations as well? I am. I'm a member of uh, Jack and Jill of America and the Council on Foreign Relations and some other organizations and, and on boards um, for schools, um, a school up in Boston called the Windsor School. And um, I just recently got off a board here called the River School. So it's been wonderful, like nice, rich, full life, full of things yeah. to do. So that means lots of board meetings as well. <laughs> Unfortunately. Board meetings and, right. and, and yes, active kids and, you know, the whole nine yards and also, you know, parents who are, who are aging. So I'm in between what they call the sandwich age, right? Oh, so wow. I, you know, yeah. I have older parents and then I have, you know, relatively young kids. So I have to go back and forth and do a few things. So it, okay. life, life is full. So tell us what, describe a typical day for you. Like what time do you get up? And then, you know, what are all of the things that you have to sort of juggle during your day? Oh, Kim, you didn't know I have someone to make me breakfast every morning. <laughs> <laughs> a driver. Um, a typical day is, you know, uh, during the work week, you know that it can be, um, there's some consistencies and then there's a lot of inconsistencies. You don't know what you're gonna get for the day and what um, kind of surprise you get for that week. Uh, but a typical day, you know, up at, you know, six o'clock in the morning, getting to, to school, getting kids out to school, and then, um, you know, signing on to get on uh, to see what your surprises you get at work. Um, and then ending the day, um, after work with typical things, dinner and baseball practice. And, you know, my daughter's a squash player, so squash and things like that. So all of those things are packed into the week. And then, 
by the end of the Friday comes, it's, you know, you know, it's just kind of relax and, and, and try to unwind for the weekend. So what would you say are your biggest stressors? I think the biggest stressor um, actually it, it has nothing to do with the, the daily grind. I think the biggest stressors um, for me in, in life right now is just trying to organize the things that are coming um, and responding to everyone has, you know, ups and they have downs and it's responding to the, the downs in a, in a, in a very um, efficient, quick way and responsible way. So kind of decision-making, I think that's the biggest stressor is making sure that the right decisions are being made now so that later they don't pile up. Wow. And so you are married. Um, and so what would you say, um, your husband's role is in all of this? Do you, I mean, because in a lot of relationships, um, a lot of the burden of the daily grind falls on women um, for whatever reason. Um, I think women are very fortunate and it's rare when they can sort of share this burden with uh, their partners. So for you, um, are you able to get any assistance with these sort of daily um, chores from your husband or does he play a different role in your family? No, I think that's, I think that's an interesting, I think it's a fair question. Um, I think that every family is built differently. I have a husband that's extremely busy, um, teaches in Boston um, once a week and is in a um, private equity firm. So there's, you know, his travel schedules may be different, but every family is different in terms of uh, how it's set up, you know, to run and a lot of burden just in general, I will tell you with myself and my friends falls on the woman of the house and mm -hmm. that the daily organization and um, organizing the schedule tends to fall on the women as well. Um, and so it can make some things easier and some things, you know, sometimes it's easier to do things, you know, and just uh, you go at it alone and some things it's, you know, much more difficult and you need a second hand. I think yeah. it's about the support and the help that you have. And that can come in a lot of different forms. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not just, you know, an extra driver of the house or, you know, someone who's, you know, doing the laundry. There are a lot of different ways to find support and, um, some of my friends and myself included have, you know, you know, parents or siblings that, you know, do step in, um, but when needed to, and, um, you know, we, it's, it's a patchwork, right? So we have right. to put it together in whatever way we can to make it successful. So here's the, the sort of bottom line question of the hour. Um, what strategies have you sort of developed to create this work-life balance that you have? Oh, what would well, you say besides nothing has, nothing has been done well, Kim. I mean, you know, <laughs> strategies is just like kind of a hope and a prayer with some days. And then some days it's been, um, it's gone really well. And some years it's gone really well. And some years it hasn't been. So I think, um, you know, the biggest thing has been for me, the largest strategy has been to be grateful for what I have in the present. 
Amen. And so, it, you know, it's every day is a different day. You know, every year is a different year when it comes to, you know, social or, or um, economic or academic, you know, everything is different. So just being grateful for, um, you know, each day and the schedule that I have and the, and the resources that I have and, and, and trying to, um, you know, and trying to traverse through life that way. Um, I love that. I love that perspective. But, but the other thing is that a lot of times, a lot of times as women, when we are as busy as you are, we come last. I mean, it's hard to sort of prioritize your own self-care and just doing things, like you said, on Friday where you can sort of unwind. So what what have you found works for you in terms of your own self-care? I mean, I think that really, honestly, people are so rich. And so to have really, really good friends and really and really solid family and solid relationships, honestly, that is self-care in itself. So talking to people has been, you know, it's something for me that creates a different type of self-care. Sure, you know, it's nice to go and, you know, have a beautiful bottle of Cabernet and a massage. And those are those are really great things too, but that is not necessarily self-care. The self-care for me comes with talking to people and and maintaining my relationships, my friendships. And um, and again, there, there it is. It's like, you know, gratitude, spending time, the best time that, you know, I like I really feel like I'm unwinding is on a Friday and, you know, t- you know, going to someone's house and talking to them and just, you know, really hanging out and keeping it pretty low key. So that that to me is self-care. And and I learn a lot. So I think for like that constant learning um, has also been self-care because I'm learning about everything, learning about, you know, certain hurdles that I'm, I'm facing. I'm learning about certain hurdles that I see other people around me facing. And, you know, and that learning, uh, that constant learning has also created an environment where it keeps a balance for me. Um, of importance because sometimes you have to, one thing that you might think is a priority really is not that much of a priority. And, um, when you learn and you keep, you keep pushing yourself, um, that is the, for me, the, the, the ultimate self-care. And I'm sure when you're with your friends, there's a lot of laughter, right? (laughs) Yeah. It depends on who they are. It depends on whether they make you get on the, um, you know, podcast with a video. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, there's a, there is a lot of laughter. I mean, there's a lot of lot of good things. I mean, you know, we we're we're in a an age group where there are very serious things happening around us, and so yes, the laughter keeps things moving a little bit. It's the highest form of intelligence. It's comedy, right? So yes, yes. So you know, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely laughter, and and the kids, you know, they bring very serious problems, and serious laughter goes along with that too. So. And so tell us about your kids. Well, I have a 15 year old girl and she um, has no opinion at all. Let me tell you. And then, (laughs) and then I have a 10 year old boy and he doesn't want to play any sports. Let me tell you. So, I mean, you know, look, I'm being pulled in a lot of directions. Um, They're wonderful kids. They're beautiful kids, um, extremely bright and smart. And, um, you know, I'm so, you know, I feel like so, lucky to see them, you know, kind of like move through life and see what they're going to give later on and, and, um, and, you know, to the world. So I'm, I'm excited. 
to see. And what, and what are their names? Uh, Kate and Rose and Grayer. Oh, yeah. I have a baseball player too. <laughs> I know so you I do. Really, I know yeah. you do. I know you do. So yeah, they are, um, they're doing very well. They're doing very well. And then my parents who are, um, in, um, in North of Boston, they are doing well too. They are Howard graduates and, you know, they just celebrated 52 years of marriage. And awesome. I, I know, I know. That's beautiful. So, and um, I will say this to the, the question that you asked earlier. My dad would love that question because he was a divorce attorney for many, many years. So he that's all I'm gonna say. There's a hint to your to your followers. <laughs> okay, okay. He would love to get on that boat full of all the people. <laughs> I think, oh, I, I, think, think, I, I, think I got it figured out. Yeah, I think she knows the answer. Okay. Yeah. She just gave you guys, whoever's listening, she just gave you uh, a big hint. A big hint. So, so um, you know, you often hear when women enter the workforce that it's harder for them because sometimes they have to make a choice between their careers and being a parent or a mother. I know several women that decided they're not going to have a family because they wanted to propel themselves up the ladder uh, in corporate America and they didn't want to have particularly a family period, like not even like some of them not get married um, so they could just do what they want to do and not have kids. Uh, some of them got married and still said like, children were out of the question. Um, because I do agree with Kim, um, the everyday responsibility of the child somehow falls on the mother. But I would tell my friends who are mothers, <laughs> sit down weekly. Uh, and I'm not saying run your marriage like a corporation, but I think you need to have weekly spousal meetings, right? Where you lay out the schedule, what is going to be done as far as with the kids and the different responsibilities that each one of you have, because I don't think it should be thrown on one person's shoulder. Now, if you marry somebody you know who's gonna have a busy and hectic life, uh, but they're gonna generate a large amount of revenue, uh, I think that revenue can help with help, like having another person in. Like some people are fortunate enough to have nannies in them because I I do believe the more the merrier if they're all good people, so to speak. Um, so those are things like seldom I hear folks talking about and I have to call my fellow brothers down and say, look, your wife is doing everything. All you're doing is working. And I said, you discount the work that she does for the kids because that's probably harder than the work she's doing at work. She's probably gets relief uh, for that. Um, so how do, how do you feel about folks balancing that? How, how do you feel about women trying to make that decision between career? Yeah, I think that it, it, 
I think that's a, a question. Um, I, I think that's an age old question. And I think that there, it is, I have many feelings on it, but what I will say is this, um, you know, you have to make choices that are personal um, and, and to yourself and to your family and what uh, you do. And you have to follow your, your gut with a lot and in intuition um, and your ability. And um, I will say that housework equates to money. So for every hour that you're doing the laundry or every hour that you're, you're picking up the kids, I mean, that's, it's, it's an hourly rate. And that is something that has been dismissed, obviously. I also think that, you know, the, the, um, take yourself out of the workplace in order to have children either, or, or not have children. I feel like these are personal decisions and not everyone has the ability to, to do both. And some people have the ability to do much more, um, you know, for, for whatever reason, it could be, you know, family structure, it can be, you know, where they're living, it can be, and I'm all for like the, the hands on deck, all hands on deck, just like you said, um, if you have the babysitter or you have it, look, you know, so there are some spouses, they have flexibility in their, in their, um, in their schedules, you know, maybe they, you know, they go to work later or maybe they, you know, there's, there's so many variables to this. I just think not to discount, um, when someone is home and they're doing a lot of the work, um, that is a career as well. Um, and that is something that is not, is not recognized. You know, there's no 401k for someone who's, you know, doing all the, 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 the work at home and the, the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning and everything else, the executive function of this. Right. So I, for those who have decided not to have children based on that, it's a personal decision. Um, and I, you know, I respect that. Again, I, I really lead with like gratitude of like what you have and what you're working with and, you know, kind of moving forward through life that way. And, uh, you know, look, it for every person that's going and doing a load of laundry, let me tell you, that costs money. Okay, because it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of, you know, and the clean everything, every single thing you can probably put a cost to it. Yeah. So that means those of us who do all of the above, full-time employment plus housework and, you know, everything that, that comes with that, um, that means we have two careers. <laughs> so, I mean, we're really doing the, you know, two jobs. Yeah. yeah. And nothing, you know, and nothing, I will say, nothing good lasts forever and nothing bad lasts forever. So I do remember when the kids were really young and I, I really felt like running a marathon and the exhaustion. And then, you know, there are other things now. I feel like it's it's the burden has been lifted a lot. Yeah, and, be, and before you know it, they'll be off to college and then we'll be empty nesters and we'll have more time to ourselves then. That's right. Yep. Okay, so thanks for joining us. Thank uh, you. We, def we definitely need to have you back on again. Uh, we know you have to run and get out of here, but we appreciate you spending time on Pollock Podcast. And like I said, we hope to have you on again. This is a wonderful show. Thank you both. I really enjoy it. And the music is the best. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it. Glad I you did. Liked it. All right. See you Take next care. time.
Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. And let us move on. Blackness. Keep it, keep on. Today, our little-known Black history fact is about Jean-Baptiste Belly. Jean-Baptiste Belly was born on July 1, 1747 in Dakar, Senegal. At the age of two years old, he was sold into slavery and taken to the French colony of Saint-Domingue, which is modern-day Haiti. He later purchased his freedom, led troops in the Haitian Revolution, and was an outspoken abolitionist and political leader in France. At the National Convention in Paris, he instigated a successful vote to end slavery in the French Caribbean in 1794. Jean-Baptiste Belly, our little known Black history fact. All right. Let us move on. What do you want to talk about next, Doc? All right. No technical difficulties there. Bear with us. Our next product is our podcast. And this week, that podcast is NPR's Code Switch. Those of you who don't know what Code Switch is, uh, uh, the podcast is about, it's the fearless conversation about race that you've been waiting for. Hosted by journalists of color, our podcast tackles the subject of race with empathy and humor. We explore how race affects every part of society, from politics and pop culture to history, food, and everything in between. The podcast makes all of us a part of the conversation because we're all part of the story. Code Switch was named Apple Podcast's first ever show of the year in 2020. All right, for those can check out Code Switch on all the platforms. Well, all right. Let us move on. Let us move on. Black. Black, black, black. Black on black, black. Yeah. Hey. 
Okay, black, 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 black on black, black, my thoughts so black, black, black on black, my skin is so black, I'm rocking that black on black is black. All right, so last week we covered Venus Williams, right? Uh, this week we're going to cover her sister. All right, this is her. She has the goat, Venus, <laughs> right? Play to win. Um, so this is a VC, and for those who don't know what that is, that's a venture capitalist. So, so uh, Serena with her company, uh, Play to Win, they invest in a lot of different um startups mm -hmm. and she is worth 260 million dollars and she has she's hiring you know so those who want to get into that should check out her company and she has it's going fast. All right. For, for the record, 11% is Latino founders, 54% women founders. Um, that she's hired? Represented founders, 47% black founders. Um, it's health, sports, and wellness, different enterprises that she has. Um, so she's involved with a lot. And, you know, this is. I know this is a buy black segment, but this is someone who invested, who invests in companies run by um, or entrepreneurs uh, who are people of color. Not that she turns down others, but uh, if you have a venture that you you need more capital for, I think you should check out Serena's ventures. She has a team, an amazing team, and they're doing well. So that's Serena's ventures nice and let us move on oh hell no we usually say that twice oh hell no okay so this week uh they're not up there right now but this week we have a california principal calls black girls that was in his gated community ghetto and said called the cops and says we have two section eight people walking in this area what say you about that uh, well so to me it just reminds us that, that people have still have these attitudes where they look at all black people as being, whether it's here, it's section eight and ghetto, but any other negative stereotype you can think of. Um, this, these, when we see these things happen, it just reminds us that although we have made progress in our society with regard to race relations, um, we still have a long way to go to sort of uh, change people's minds and hearts about just people in general. No one should be stereotyped or no one should be mischaracterized. No one should, we should all try to eradicate implicit bias from our minds and our hearts. And that's really the bottom line. So again, although we've made progress, we have to remember that we have a long way to go. 
What's bothering me about this, again, we have a person who is in a leadership position um, that have these myths still tied inside of his head. He also has these stereotypes. How do you lead people that don't look like you if you have these type of feelings, if you still believe in these myths, these stereotypes that... Uh, all black people are this, or all any people are this. Right, right, yeah. And so I, I, what I do like about this is because we live in a technological age, these young people, um, two 17-year-old young ladies, um, were able to, to record this, what turned out to be a principal at a school, and that, I think that's what you're referring to, he turned out to be a principal at a school in Fresno, California, and it's unfortunate that he has a, a school full of young people that he has authority over and he has influence over. And these are the attitudes, you know, that that he has. And so I'm sure that it's going to come out at some point in school as well. You know what I mean? So that's what um, I agree with you. That's what's so unfortunate about this situation. Apparently they were going, walking through a gated community where this principal lives and yeah. he just wanted them out. And this was, <laughs> you know, a way of, I guess, uh, insulting them and trying to get them to leave the community, but they were just trying to take a shortcut, you know, on their way to the store. So, you know, it's just unfortunate that at every turn we have to be subjected to these insults and to, and to this, these microaggressions and this racism. And I mean, as a black woman, I'm, it's, it's just exhausting, you know, because if it's not Angel Reese uh, being insulted by some white guy, um, it's just, you know, the regular girl walking down the street being insulted by a white guy, you know what I mean? And so y'all gonna stop disrespecting black women and black girls in this country. Yeah, I would take it to the left and say black people. Um, yes. But, yeah. And let us move on. As always, we end our show on a happy note. And we want to give it up to Simone Biles, uh, the great gymnast, and Jonathan Owens, the NFL football player. They tied the knot recently. Uh, so we are giving it up to them. Um, on Owens, yeah. On April, I was just going to say, on April 22nd, um, 2023, in an intimate courthouse ceremony in Houston, Texas, they tied the knot. And they're planning to have a destination um, wedding to follow, um, but they just wanted to tie the knot ahead of time in the United States. Um, and um, Simone Biles made uh, headlines recently because she because of her wedding attire. Um, the courthouse wedding, she just wore a dress that she got from Amazon. And people are making a big fuss about the fact that she um, disclosed that she paid $120 for the dress and she only paid $35 for her shoes. And <laughs> I was like, this is a woman after my own heart because you know I'm frugal fanny. And she just showed us, I mean, if you look at the pictures, then you can still be fly and cute and beautiful and you don't have to spend a lot of money. 
But I'm sure she's planning to spend a lot she of money. She also told us that none of that stuff really matters. Exactly. What matters is love of the heart for both people, love that they have for one another. He's wearing a plain suit, and I think they both look beautiful. Um, you're just happy for the union of marriage. Yeah, I get. I'm not dismissing anybody who wants to look super cute and buy a two thousand dollar dress. You know what? What you want, you should do. You know, if, is that going to make your day? Is going to make you happy? But at the end, it what what goes on the, in the marriage? It's what's what counts. So some people are more into the wedding than into their relationship. And well, I think that has to change. Well, that's true. But wait, there's more. So they are planning to have this destination wedding. And, you know, Simone Biles is uh, worth $16 million with all of her, you know, Olympic uh, accomplishments and her endorsements and everything. So she is planning to have a big wedding. And she said that she was going to have like maybe three or four different dresses. So, you know, I'm sure she's going to splurge for that. Um, and that's fine. I mean, she's shown us that you can do it both ways. Um, but this is just sort of the pregame, pre pregame um, warm up, I guess. Mm, maybe they wanted to have a baby um, first. So we'll see. We'll see what's going on with that. So we are going to wrap up this show right now. And we'll do that by getting our plugs. Plug one, M Audio Speakers. Plug two, uh, Nan Light. Plug three, NPR Code Switch. The wow of the week. Never look down on anybody unless you're helping him up. Jesse Jackson. What's going on? Tucker Carlson fired. Don Lemon fired. Clarence Thomas unethical. Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts. Super rich. Super rich. All right. Weekly question. You spot a boat full of people, but there isn't a single person on board. How is that possible? We had our weekly discussion, our interview with Cara Greer, a little-known Black history fact. It was Jean-Baptiste Belly. Um, our Buy Black segment was about Serena Williams' Serena's Adventures. I all hell know went to the California principal and called Black Girls Ghetto in Section 8. And we just gave it up to Simone Biles and Jonathan Owens for them tying the knot. So, thank you for listening with us. And thank you, everybody, for taking time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us. And as always, in party. What's up, Dr. Ed? We, we wish you was. And as always, in party, we wish you love, peace, and soul. And so, everyone, until next week, have a good one. <laughs>